I am, I am so, so convinced of the goodness of God. I'm so convinced that we have been deceived on just how good He really, really is. That I've just been, I've just been soaking myself, jumping into uh, everything that I can find just on, on, on who He is. Um, you know, I think it was yesterday, I was just, um, I've been doing a deep dive in, in Isaiah, but just listen to this beautiful scripture in Isaiah 1 verse 18. Don't worry, there's no topic and I have zero idea what I'm going to call this um, because I'm just going to go everywhere for a while. But, you know, just as I was just, just reading and, and meditating and speaking to the Lord, um, I, just, I felt just Isaiah 1.18 come on my heart. And, um, and I was just, as I was talking to him, I just read it. And it said, um, I'm reading from the ESV, extra special version, the one that they read from in heaven. Um, <laughs> and, and it says this, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. <laughs> Don't you love that? Sitting with the Lord, and he says, come now, let us reason together. I'm like, amen, I'm ready, Lord. Let, what, let's. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Wow. That's the goodness of God. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, as I was, I read all of that because I got very excited in the first part. I know, and then the second part, I was getting nervous. And he says, see, there's such a, a, a tendency and such a bent in the body of Christ towards doing. There's something that we have to do. And all we have to uh, understand is that God is calling us to a place of obedience, according, uh, calling us to a place of trusting and believing in His Word. If He declared it and if He spoke it, do you believe that? Not an efforts work thing, if you will now do this, if you will believe that. If you won't believe it, then yes, the sword will. Turn with me. Turn with me to Isaiah 34. Let me just read this. Let me kill a cow. No, no. Where did I say Isaiah? Turn with me to Exodus 34, sorry. Uh, actually, Isaiah 34 is very good as well, but right now my brain was on ex um, Exodus 34. I, I just want to um, share this quickly, and then, and then maybe I'll just pull some thoughts, and, and that'll be us. How many know that God was declaring, speaking to Moses? Moses was crying out on behalf of Israel. God said, no, okay. Um, he actually... Oh, it's a long story. Let me just say this. So, so <laughs> Moses says, show me your glory. Lord, I want to see your glory. I think that's such a beautiful thing. Cries out, show me your glory. And, and God says, okay, I'm going to hide you in the rock. And then I'm, my goodness is going to pass by you. Um, and we're in 34 now. This is Moses um, doing a repeat. It's like a deja vu moment. Um, the Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first We've got to do this again, and I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets. Um, so Moses comes up to the mountains, I'm shortening it, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Listen to this. 
This is in the midst of the cloud. This is where fire, this is where there's rumblings. This is where there's thunder. This is where there's lightning. This is where all the action is. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, thousands, keeping steadfast love for thousands. What does he mean? Thousands of generations. Then listen to this. Forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children. I can feel the religious spirit moving now. Can, can you, I can feel it. Honestly, I can feel it. I can feel it. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the children's children, to the third and the fourth generation. So what do the people of God do? We have to go and have ministries. We have to go and cut people free from the third and the fourth generation. And we make a big thing out of it. If you read your Bible properly, you will see there that it says, the guilty. But I'll tell you about what happened to me. I met a guy, magnificent, fantastic guy. His name is Jesus. And he redeemed me, and he put a stamp on my heart, not guilty. And all I receive now is the steadfast love that's going to go for thousands of generations. Some law and some uh, 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 judgment that might come, comes on the guilty for three or four generations. My God is so good that his lavish steadfast love goes for thousands of generations. Thousands and thousands of generations. The goodness of God is that good, friends, that when you step into His goodness, His uh, love and His mercy, the Lord, the Lord merciful, the Lord gracious, the Lord slow to anger, the Lord who is steadfast in kindness and love, it goes for thousands and thousands of generations. It will not stop His goodness. It's the goodness of God. So when we sometimes come into situations we need to as a church begin to understand that what God has has placed in our hearts and our lives is himself and that's his goodness and what he is wanting to be released out of our lives what he's wanting us to be the hands and feet of God is the goodness of God don't get caught up in trying to fix and sort out and 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 trying to discern and judge and what have you just release the goodness of God just let the love of God impact and challenge because it's the love of God it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance not us finding fault or or looking or seeing and I believe that there is a wave coming there is a a a powerful wave coming over the church through the church in the church which is going to be a wave of the goodness of God and I'll tell you what it relates to it relates to what his glory Show me your glory. Let my goodness pass in front of you. The glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth. Numbers 14, 23. You can go read it there. God declares and speaks it, and His word will not return void. The glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth. Friends, I don't care what the book of Revelation may have 
you may have understood or thought about it, I can tell you right now what's coming is the best time that this world has ever seen because the love, the lavish goodness of God, the glory of the Lord is going to be released from the church. The church is going to be a place of such an oasis of love and goodness that people will be drawn, they will run. Kings will come running to the church. People will just bring their finances to the church. Why? Because it's full of the love and the presence of God oozes with graciousness and mercy. Not a church that's all got it all together. The church that's just and going shandang. A church that's full of the love of God. And I probably can say that a long time and a religious spirit just will not get it. So let me just reinforce a little bit this morning and say this. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Ephesians 1 verse 3, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 1 verse 3. I can quote it, but I'll just read it. God declares and speaks and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every... I went to a little Greek and I had asked him, Now, if you study the Greek there, every, it's a very deep dive. It means every. Every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing. Amen. Turn over to chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Not of his judgment, not of his heaviness, but of his grace in kindness towards us Woo. in Christ Jesus. Man, if the church can catch hold of this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm. So he not only saved us, but he raised us up and he seated us together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Amen. Then Paul goes on to say, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. My question to you today, church, is do we really understand and live by this? Because the righteous live by faith. Amen. Everything is a faith walk. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a it's a walk. We've been saved by grace through faith. It's a, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of trusting. It's a walk of believing. So if you're born again, you're seated in heavenly places. You rule as a king and a priest on the earth. Let me encourage you with this. God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So heaven is where his throne is. His throne speaks of authority 
And footstool is where you put your feet. So where is God walking? Where his feet are, right? Footstool. Then he saves us and he seats us in heavenly places. We're in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says, I am waiting until they make all the enemies their footstool. So the way I can make all my enemies my footstool so I can understand and get to be in Christ, if I can be in Christ and if I'm truly then can walk in who He's called me to be, then I'm His body and then I can actually now step on everything now is underneath my feet. So He wants us to operate from the heavenly realm, from the throne of God, from the authority of God, but our feet are on this earth and He wants us now to walk on this earth. So we've been saved Every person who's been saved and born again, you're seated in heavenly places. You rule as a king and priest on this earth because you're washed in the blood of Jesus. I haven't got time to go to those scriptures. And you're blessed with all spiritual blessings. That is who we are. Amen. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings. Why did God do that? I'll just encourage you simply with this. Because God didn't want to give natural blessings. He wanted to give you spiritual blessings because everything comes from the unseen into the seen, which means he could cover his, the whole spectrum, which means he could cover everything. It's a spiritual blessing. Otherwise, here you can, you can have the blessing of a nice house, a blessing of a car, a blessing of this, a blessing of that, but he might not cover everything. Up there, he covers everything, right? So every single spiritual blessing is yours. Because if we're born again, we've stepped out. We're not, no longer a natural man, but we're now a spiritual man. First the natural, then the spiritual. As, an, as a spiritual man, I can tap into every single spiritual blessing. Just catch whatever you can this morning as I'm running. In John chapter 1, I just love this. John chapter 1. If there's one book that I think you should study and study and study and study is, is John. He so understood the realm of the Spirit. <laughs> Sometimes he got into trouble because he spoke from the realm of the Spirit. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Ooh. Oops, sorry, Lord. Uh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you're born again, you're not born of the will of the flesh or the, uh, the will of man, nor of blood, but of God. And you've become a son and a daughter. Those who received him and who believed in his name. Amen. It goes on to say, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said he comes off through ranks. Um before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, was given, 
through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hmm. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came. So let me encourage you this morning and say this. Grace always, always approaches you as a believer. Grace is always in front of you. If you read um, Titus 2, I think it's uh, verse 11, Titus 2 verse 11, anyway, it says grace has come to all people. Um, so, as I was talking to the, to the Lord, I just felt like the Lord saying, um, so His grace is always there. It's always there for every single believer. His grace is always there. Then God adds faith, which is a whole other topic, but every single one of us were given, we're given faith. And so God adds faith so that we can receive that grace. You were saved by grace through faith. So he gives us that faith so you can receive that grace. And that is called believing. I'm stopping because for a lot of people that don't catch The grace of God is there always. We exercise our faith. It's not a weapon. It's not some tool for us to get something. It's a perspective in the way we live. It accesses that grace in our lives, and that's called believing. And why is believing important? Because we're called believers. And Jesus says, only believe. See, if you want to believe and you want to walk in that, you have to understand faith, you have to understand grace. Putting your faith in the grace of God. So grace comes, but you have to receive it. And I just read there, to as many as received Him, as believed in His name. Believed. We have to get to that place, church, of believing. The only way we can get to that place of understanding grace and putting our faith in the grace of God. Don't put your faith in works. Don't put your faith in yourself, your ability to earn, merit, deserve, get reward. Put your faith in the grace of God. You see, the problem is, though, because of the fallen man and the tendency that... We've lived in, in our minds. It's, um, we so badly want to work for something, earn something, do something. Something to merit and deserve. So George, uh, G- George. G- Jews, <laughs> so Jews, George the Jew, no. So, <laughs> so Paul, we all got George from Paul, but anyway, anyway. So Paul tells the Jews, if you want to do it, you can do it, but then you have to do it all. You could go into a song there. That just... And then you will get rewarded, right? Um, but you have to do it all. You can't do part. You can't do a little bit. You have to do it all. 
Who's up for that? But if you receive by faith, you're not rewarded. You just get everything that Jesus paid for. <laughs> I'll take that. That'll be my one. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up. So it's all there for us by grace in Christ. That's why Ephesians 3.20, when it says, you can, um, um, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Because it's so big and beyond and above us, what God is able to do in His grace versus what we're able to do in our merit or in our works or in our deserving, right? And if, you, if we just quickly look at John 3.16, all of us know John 3.16. I wonder how many people quote the verse before and the verse after. Let me just quickly go to, I'll just... So verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. God told them in the wilderness that they, Moses had this big pole with the serpent on it. They had to look at the serpent. When they looked at the serpent and put their trust in the word of the Lord, then um, they, they would get healed um, and it wouldn't, they wouldn't get bitten. And he's using that same illustration here just before he gives our great... Um, verse 16, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Then for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It's a powerful, beautiful picture here about Jesus. That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But it's in the context of just as the, as the serpent on the pole was lifted up, Moses lifted it up, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that we need to look to the cross... For everything, as we look to the cross, looking upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, then He takes care of all sin and doubt and condemnation and everything else, guilt. Turn me quickly to Romans chapter 3. I'll just read it. Romans 3, I'll just say this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Everyone say apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets witness to it. The righteousness of God, this is verse 21 still, going to verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are, justified by, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. There's so much there. I'd love to read Romans 4, probably from verse 8. Blesses the man against whom the Lord will not, will not, will not count his sin. Blessed is the man. Thank you, Lord. 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. By this blessing, then only for the, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or else for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, to make, them, make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he should be heir of the world did not come through the law, but it came through the righteousness of faith. Jumping to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, the first time I read that went right over my head. I'll read it again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hmm. Jump. Quickly to 2 Corinthians. Let's just go to 2 Corinthians. Let's just read from verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Such is the confidence. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God. Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Oh, so much in that. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, he's talking about the law, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze on Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory... In the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this, case, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Now, he's just described there the transition that's taken place from the law into faith in Jesus Christ, 
from a righteousness that comes by the law to a righteousness that comes by faith. And he says, a righteousness that came by the law. It was so powerful that Moses became a light bulb, right? He was, he was glowing so much that he had to put a veil over his head. And he's saying, that is nothing compared to the glory that's coming. The glory that's coming on the church. That glory that's coming, that's going to shine on the church is going to, is going to make this one look pathetic. And this one, this glory that's coming is going to be permanent. Permanent, church. Not temporary, permanent. This is, we're going to step from, from this glory into eternity. Because this glory is going to be permanent in our lives. It's a glory that we hold in this little frail vessel at the moment. So it's not, not like Moses because it was, the law was an external. So Moses had a bright shining light on his face and on his head. Now we have a bright shining light within an earthen vessel. One day this vessel we will go to the ground and we will be given an incorruptible, beautiful new vessel that will be able to shine the glory of the Lord like never before. While we're on this earth, we're in this earthen vessel. And while we're in this earthen vessel, friends, it's... We have to understand that what this glory is and how it can be displayed and expressed through the vessel that we're living in right now. And the way it can be displayed and operate through the vessel that we're living in right now is we have to begin to operate in the Spirit. As the people of God, you go, yeah, no, but we do operate in the Spirit of God. A large part of the church is still operating in their minds. And as I shared and reiterate again to the church, that there we, 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 we've, we've got this body. And in this body, we do have a whole bunch of organs that help this body to function. One of the organs is the brain. That's the thinking part of this body. It's the, this body is the way we identify one another, but it will go back to where it came from. That's dust. But at the moment, it has the greatest computer in the whole world, and that is our brain. Everything is fed and stored into this computer. This computer is brilliant. Man cannot come near what the brain can do. But we also have a soul, and in our soul, our thinking part of our soul is our mind. That's a part that we have to renew. The mind is thinking all the time. The mind is sending signals and communicating with the brain all the time. It can communicate with the brain. It says to the brain, right, I'm feeling sad. And as I'm feeling sad, it tells the brain, and my mouth goes, and it says, I'm feeling like dancing. <laughs> See, the brain is communicating all the time. It's just, it's never ending. It's why it gets exhausted. That's why you have to restore your soul. The soul gets so exhausted. It's just, it's on a treadmill. And it's got into a routine of thousands of years of law. Of yes and no. So half the time when we're using our, our minds, we're exhausted because it's, it's constantly putting it into the category of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not on the tree of life. See, those are the leaves that are the healing for the nations. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil might get you some reward. Oh, should I go there? No. Okay. We won't go there. So... So, and then God's given us a spirit. We're spirit beings because God breathes inside of us. He breathed life inside of us. Now, if, he's a spirit, if we're a spirit being, then there's also a thinking part of our spirit, and that's called your conscience. So the thinking part of your spirit, man, when you're made alive, now we need to exercise the thinking part because he's been dormant for so long, and people have not exercised him because when they study or they look at the Word of God, 
a lot of the time they're just reading and then they're translating it through the mind. And when they're translated through the, the mind, we can get it wrong or we go, we go into legalism. So you have to interpret. See, these, Jesus said these words are what? Spirit and life. They're spirit. They cannot be understood. 1 Corinthians 2, just go read it. They cannot be understood by the natural man. They cannot. So people are trying to study here and they're still in their natural man. They are, are confused. How do you know a person still walking in the natural, not walking in the spirit? Because their lives are up and down. See, if you're walking in the flesh, then you probably will find that you're striving, you're doing, you're legalistic. If you're walking in the spirit, you're flowing. There's peace like a river, there's joy. See, flesh dictates, spirit prompts. There's a difference. Catch it. There's a difference. Don't do that. <laughs> that will just wake you up. I'm nearly finished. <laughs> That's what the flesh says. It says, don't do that. The spirit prompts. I wouldn't do that. That's probably not a good idea, Grant. It's prompting. See, the other one's like, oh. He just had a, I'll pray for him now. He nearly had a heart attack. It was nearly, it was nearly. Amen. So what happens to a lot of us is that when we, when we, when we finished our day and our body has long told us time out, um, we're running on our mind really. Keep, our mind's just so active. It's just, keep going, body. It's okay. And it's just so busy. The mind is so busy. And then when it gets to about 10 o'clock at night, the mind goes, ha, oh, I'm exhausted. Let me sleep. And so it sleeps. Then our conscience is there. But it's, see, the world doesn't call it a conscience. It calls it a subconscious. Do you know that in the Old Testament, that word was never, ever mentioned in the Old Testament? It's only mentioned when you start reading from John. You'll see it's mentioned through John in the epistles 32 times. Because the word conscience is also uh, repeated as, as or, or it's said as heart in the Bible. Which is, it's the Greek word cardia, which I guess you can draw your own conclusions about heart and cardia, cardiology, and in Luke's case, maybe cardiac arrest. But, um, um, <laughs> but, uh, but so, so our brain goes to sleep, and then our conscience now comes to the fore. And, we, and it, we begin to dream, and we begin to see a vision. And we, 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 we've, we've got this vision now, this dream. And, and for a lot of Christians, a lot of the time, it's not the encounter that they don't get right. It's the interpretation of the encounter that they don't get right. So they go, you know, God gave, Matthew, God gave me a dream. God gave me a vision for you. And there was this, um, there was this lion that was standing on the rock, and, um, and, and he was just roaring. And, and um, I think he's gonna, he was about to eat you. And... Um, <laughs> And his mouth was so wide open. I mean, and actually God's spirit realm was trying to say, he's a lion. 
standing on a rock roaring out over the... You understand? So that's often why we get it wrong, because we haven't renewed the mind and haven't let the mind begin to communicate with the Spirit. So the Bible says we need to exercise the Spirit. And as you exercise the Spirit, so you, as you develop, uh, like you develop muscles in every other area, as your, as your spirit man is exercised, so you begin now to communicate with your mind. And because you've renewed your mind which you have to do in order for the Spirit to, it, it hinders the communication. If you begin to renew your mind, then your mind now can send the signals to the brain, which the brain then stores, and it doesn't lose anything. And then the brain can communicate and send to your body, your body, your body as is needed in order for you to do and to be active in what God's called you to, right? This is, this is how we operate. So what I was going to preach on this morning, which I'll preach on next week, let me just say this. What I was going to preach on, because that, that the Lord gave me this morning, by the way, just as I was sitting there. So I thought I would just give it to you for free. Um, no. Um, but what, what I want to preach on is that if you go and study in the, in the New Testament, you'll find out that, that, that Paul constantly talks about the conscience, and he's constantly talking about how he needs to make sure that he, he stays in that place where he has a clear conscience. Otherwise, if you don't have a clear conscience, it affects your ability to walk in the fullness of what God's called you, and you won't live then in the glory that He's called you to. And the reason why He's got to clear your conscience is because we're so law-orientated, we're so doing-orientated, that we keep bashing ourselves or keep feeling like we fall short, and so it affects your, con your, your conscience. And if it affects your conscience and you don't have a clear conscience, then you can't boldly come before the throne room of God. You can't stand. You can't ask because you need to come boldly. You need to come with confidence when you ask. And then it... Because let me, let me tell you this. If you get this right, there's so many promises, which we will, I will share with you, that it says that if you get this right, if you do this, Paul said, if you do this, then what, whatsoever you ask, whatsoever you ask, it will be done for you. See, that's Jesus. Jesus said, listen, guys, that's what I was reading last week. He said, listen, guys, I've gone to the cross. Uh, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to do all of this because up to now you have asked me nothing in my name. But from now on, ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. That what? Your joy may be full. There is a people that God is." arising in these last days, a people that understand salvation. 1 Peter 1, 5, you'll see there. It's a salvation waiting to be revealed. Salvation, an understanding of salvation. There's a people that God is waiting to release over them such glory, such power, where their, their, their prayers are answered every single time. That everything that they do, everything that they touch, releases glory, the goodness, and the blessing of the Lord. They leave the presence and power and love of God wherever they go. When I was sharing last week and I said to you, and I didn't even get to it, when Jesus was talking to them saying, a little while I'm here, and a little while I'll be gone, a little while I'm back, and, and all of that. And then he said, a new commandment I give to you. And I thought, it's not a new commandment. He said that you love one another. Uh, that's old commandment. Said, no, no, Jesus said a new commandment. So I thought, okay, I'm missing something here, Lord, show me. And then the, he, what he says straight after it is, as I have loved you, so you now love one another. Something shifted and something changed on the cross, friends. What happened was Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you because the, the same commandment that I gave to you, you were not able to, in your ability to, to really, uh, truly for, do it. 
Because, but now when he went to the cross and he died on our behalf, now as I have loved, so you can love. Which means now Jesus has purchased for us this ability now that we can love one another just like Jesus loved. And so what I'm stirring up on your hearts, hopefully by a lot of spits, but um, what I'm stirring up in your heart and showering my family in the front, but um, is that I want to, as I've been praying, God's been saying, I want you to start dreaming again. And I'm not talking about, oh, Mauritius, it's a nice one. I'm talking about dreaming. I'm talking about stepping into that place. I'm talking about what I shared last week, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly into his presence. Come boldly into the holy of holies. Come boldly and sit there, that secret place where you abide under the shadow of the almighty God. In that beautiful place, Jesus has been a forerunner. The blood has been sprinkled so that I can come there boldly every single moment, 24-7. In that place is where he dwells. In that place, friends, is where I can encounter him. And as I encounter him in the spirit realm, I begin to dream and he begins to give me visions and he begins to speak and he begins to declare things, things that are in the spirit, things that are alive, things that are not seen, things that um, will bring to naught the things that are, things that God wants to speak and declare through your mouth. The word of God is not down there or up there. The word of God is near. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. You've got to speak it, friends. But you've got to speak it from that place the holy place of God, place where He dwells, in His throne room. And as my spirit man begins to exercise and come alive, friends, God wants to release a glory through our lives. This is not time to back off or to pack up. This is a time to actually exercise and stretch out your tent. This is a time now, friends, where God is wanting to, us to arise and shine for our light has come. And it's the goodness of God that's going to do that, nothing else. So don't worry about all the other stuff or whatever. Just, why don't you just come before the Lord and say, I'm leaving all the other stuff behind. Here, here am I. Oh, I wish I had been able to preach that. It, it just, as you, you just rely on His goodness. He's that good. He's that good. When you just rely on His goodness and you, and you rely that you are righteous and that everything is by faith and that grace came, that grace stands before you every single day and you can access grace. Grace. What is grace? It's unmerited, friends. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. The minute you try and do something to, in your own strength, you move out of that place and you move into another realm. But you stay in that realm of God where grace surrounds you. All, all he's asking us to do is to take the faith that he gave us, that Jesus gave us, and to exercise that faith in the grace of God and cause us to believe. See, because we mix this thing up, believers. We just go, I believe. Do you? Do you believe? Because our, the way you'll know if you believe, have you exercised faith in the grace of God? Not faith in anything, faith in the grace of God. And do we understand the grace of God? What we actually have been given. Maybe there's all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But see, this is accessing something of the Spirit, not accessing something of the natural. I hope I'm making sense because I didn't preach it, but anyway. 
So I just want to encourage us this morning. I want to, I am lost in the goodness of God. I believe He's so good that it's, He's going to astound you in the days that lie ahead. And you are going to be so amazed and so blessed. And He's actually going to choose to work through you, yes. When no one else would want to work through, He'll work through. As long as they put their faith in His grace. And grace and truth came in Jesus. So you put your trust looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Friends, does it get any more simpler? Can we be any more stupid and still breathe? When he tells us, I am the author, I start, I'm the initiator, I, I initiate, I, I'm the one, I started, I initiate, oh thanks, Woo. and I'm the guy who finishes, complete. Okay, so what am I, the guy that does all the work in between? No, I'm the, I'm the guy that stands there and enjoys the author and the finisher and everything in between over my life. See, if I just enjoy him, he'll, he'll do what he does. Amen. Shall we stand?